Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's been a definite theme in a subset of some of my communications with friends and listeners in the la- just in the last 12 hours been kind of crazy so yes somebody sent me george brockler's op-ed from the denver post and we're going to talk with george in like five seconds here the headline on on george's piece is coloradans should colorado should brace for a crime wave i got an email from a listener who's a law enforcement officer who says that he's seeing increases in at least certain kinds of crime And then I got a text from a a listener who's a good friend who's going to be on the show in 25 minutes. And she was nearly the victim of a carjacking in Littleton a couple of days ago. What is going on? Joining us to try to Help us understand what is going on. George Brockler, uh, you all know George, the DA of the 18th Judicial District here in Colorado, which is by population the largest judicial district in Colorado. George, good morning. Thanks so much for being here. Ross, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm disappointed someone had to send you the column instead of you just reading it on your own. But nonetheless, yeah, I'm thrilled we're talking I know. about yeah. it. <laughs> I, felt, I feel bad about that. Um, I should mention, by the way, George is the only, uh, let's get this right, is he a JAG, JAG judge? Or what's the exact title? Yeah, our uh, our National Guard for the whole state now has uh, one military judge. We didn't have one before, and I'm it. And uh, what's yeah. interesting is it, um, we're still in the process of trying to put together that court. And in the era of the coronavirus, you can imagine how challenging that is. Hmm. Yeah, very, very interesting. We should talk about that more another day. So should we brace for a crime wave? I know you don't write your own titles when you write columns. You don't write the headlines. The editors do. But is that a fair headline? Colorado should brace for a crime wave. I think it's fair. You know, I start off by saying um, look, I think the conditions are ripe for one, and I finish with, I really hope I'm wrong on this, but uh, my prognostications based on the information, history, studies, and experts that I've, I've worked with can be no less accurate than our pandemic modeling. In fact, I think it's probably going to be more uh, accurate just based on what we've seen. And I've only been doing this now for 25, 26 years, but there are too many things that are working towards the direction of making it easier for people to victimize us and to commit crimes. And we have just put ourselves in a position to be able to do less about it. What are those things? Well, there's a couple things that, you know, just happen. Uh, so, for instance, if you look at the Bureau of Justice Statistics, a DOJ product, and they measure crime everywhere all the time, they tell us that you can expect to see a 10% surge in property crimes just by virtue of heading into the summer. Um, also, aggravated assaults seem to take, for whatever reason, a 10% uptick during those periods of time. 
You also have um, a historic correlation between a significant economic downturn, like we're in we're engaged in right now, and an increase in property crime. Those are things that are just taking place, right? They're, they're things that if you accept the fact that we had to have an order of some magnitude, and we can debate what, what that magnitude is to address the pandemic, this economic gut punch is going to have an uptick in crime result. But if you add to that, too, some of the decisions that Governor Polis has made, and by the way, I cheer him for uh, being uh, an A rated the governor when it comes to reopening the the economy. But I don't think we just sit around and go, hey, tough times. We got to support every single decision that the governor makes at every moment in Mm -hmm. time. I'm here to say that some of these decisions have put us in a bad space. One of them is to order the Department of Corrections to suspend the application of administrative rules that would keep people who would otherwise stay in prison in prison. The result of that has been the Department of Corrections has said, hey, we think we're going to cut loose five to seven hundred convicted felons who otherwise should be in prison, but we're going to do it because we think we need to have a lower prison population during the risk of the virus. If you to that, the fact that they are now tasked by the governor with identifying prisoners who might uh, be extra susceptible to COVID uh, because of diabetes or because they're super fat or because of whatever it is, um, they are now talking about more than 100 violent felons that they're looking to try to put out of the prison early people they're having discussions with prosecutors about murderers rapists child molesters because they are somehow susceptible to covid that's just not a risk we have to engage in and it's not one that we should take on behalf of people another thing that you can see is that the governor also sent out guidance to local county sheriffs and jails saying hey we want less people in jails i don't want to issue an order so you need to go out of your way to figure out a way to get people out of the jails. And so sure enough, the the sheriffs have taken a look around and they've done exactly what they've been tasked with doing. And they have stopped arresting and processing. And I'm going to use air quotes here on the radio, low level felonies, low level, low risk property crimes like motor vehicle theft. And the result of that is, and I know this is going to come as a shock, people react to the law. People respond to the guidance that they're given. And that's true for criminals as well. So right before the governor's uh, lockdown order, um, motor vehicle thefts in the metro area had dropped to pretty historic lows for us, which I'm going to say a number of people are going to go, crap, that's how many cars get stolen every week? Yes, 197 was the week before the governor's order. The week after the governor's order and for every week thereafter, it has surged by more than 50%. There are more than 300 now stolen cars in the metro area every single week. And if you think about the impact that has on a single family's life as their mode of transportation and how many times that's happening, that is the product of the governor's order telling jails, do not arrest and hold low-level property criminals. Combine that with the legislature, which has for the last few years gone out of its way to weaken the criminal justice system, bond, bail, sentencing. They've also said, hey, if you get hooked up for a quote-unquote low-level property crime, you ought to be given a bond that you can get out on the street. You shouldn't be forced to stay in jail on some kind of a monetary bond. Uh, There is this belief, this faith that the system can adequately supervise people who commit crimes, either at the front end or back end of the system, bail, bond, probation, parole. Well, the uh, the District Attorney's Council Uh, picked a random week in September of 2018, every single judicial district, all 22, to count by hand 
all the felonies that were filed and against whom they were filed. And in that one week sample, that's not scientific, but it is important, 51 percent of every felony committed in the state of Colorado, that's over 600, were committed by somebody who is being supervised by the system, bail, bond, probation, parole, community corrections. These are risks we don't have to take, but they have been forced upon us by the governor's office and by circumstance. I'm not going to put it all on the governor, uh, governor's office and circumstance. And I think it's ripe for a crime wave. Wow. Uh, look, I, I get the idea of wanting to reduce population density in, in jails and in prisons because of the virus. I don't get the idea that going down that road would have someone consider even for a microsecond releasing a convicted rapist or murderer. I don't, I don't either. I, listen, one, I do think we have a legal obligation to care for those who the government takes off the street, takes away their liberty and puts them in a cage. I get it. Right. I understand that. But there has never been a constitutional requirement or right for you to be free of all potential risk of all potential wrongdoing or, or harm. And so this is a weighing. We have got to weigh the risk to the prisoner versus the risk to the community. And it feels like we have leaned in the foxhole way far away from public safety and way towards the person who's incarcerated. And uh, that's what's showing up now. And, and I think the risk to the public is unconscionable. I think the other thing we've lost sight of is that the purpose of prison isn't to just protect the public from them. There is a punishment aspect of this and why someone's punishment should get reduced, not for any good thing they've done, but because they have diabetes or because they're overweight or because they're at risk for coronavirus. I don't understand that model. I think this is a conversation we need to have at a much higher level and a much more public level before these things start happening. And my hope is this column, our conversation, others that I've had are going to start to give a little bit of a pause to the government before they move forward with this. My guest, George Brockler, his piece for the Denver Post, Colorado should brace for a crime wave. Okay, I want to ask you a very specific clarification question. I, I couldn't tell from your first answer uh, or your commentary about releasing violent felons, whether that's been done already or whether that's under consideration. Yeah, I don't think it has been done already. And when I emphasize the word think, keep in mind that from the very first moments of Governor Polis's order, there has been a complete lack of coordination with local prosecutors and local law enforcement. Now, that has slowly improved over these last many weeks. But there's a certain notification requirement that DOC must provide to the community and to victims and to others when they're going to release somebody early. Uh, the negotiations, the conversations that district attorneys have had with DOC, and that's the leadership of, of the District Attorney's Council, have been about trying to shorten that window of notification so they can get these guys out of prison earlier. In those conversations, it was revealed that the, the DOC is contemplating, don't know that they've done it yet, contemplating releasing more than 100 people who have been convicted and sentenced on violent felonies. Wow. I hope yeah, they don't go there. No, I hope they don't either. So, some other thing, though, that people ought to appreciate, and this was in the column, too, is, look, we uh, 
cops just aren't the sole source of discovering crime, right? I mean, we rely upon people to report to us, and nowhere is that more apparent than with child abuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get a ton of referrals to the justice system from teachers, DHS workers, human services workers, other concerned citizens who come in contact with kids who either outcry to them or show evidence of abuse. Because of this lockdown order, a natural consequence has been to really reduce those contacts. And we have seen over, I guess, the first five-week period of time of this order, about an 80% reduction in the reports of cases filed on child abuse. Now, there's some answers for that, like some of the child abuse cases, a small number come from people who drive around drunk with their kids in the car. But that can't explain an 80% reduction. And my sense of it is, is that crime is still being committed. We're just knowing less of it. Um, We see a reduction in dwelling burglary, home burglary. But, Ross, that's because you're in your house, right? Right. Nobody would break into your house with you there and access to the guns and, of course, your dog. Um, But then (laughs) business burglaries uh, have gone up. All the crimes you can think of, it's as if to suggest when I read these articles that say, hey, crime is down. It's as if to suggest that the criminal element all got together and said, hashtag, we're in this together. Let's stop committing crime. (laughs) Buddy, that doesn't happen. All criminals do is look for another way to commit crime. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, on the on the child abuse aspect, my my gut instinct, common sense as somebody who is not in law enforcement is that having lots of people cooped up at home, stressed out, losing income, losing jobs, the actual incidence of child abuse is probably up. I hope you're wrong, but uh, that's a common sense answer. One other thing that's a little interesting, and it's a geographic anomaly, I think, for us, is I've reached around uh, to our Douglas County and Arapahoe County uh, sheriffs, and our jurisdiction has not seen a huge uptick in domestic violence cases. However, in my discussions with El Paso County DA and some other folks in Jeffco, they have seen hmm. a significant uptick in domestic violence. Can't tell you why that is. Can't tell you why there's that anomaly. But common sense would tell you what you said should apply to domestic violence, too, which is people who yeah. can't get along enough. I mean, a, a person who's willing to put their hands on a loved one when they're still going to work every day. I don't think that gets reduced because you're sitting in a house with them more hours a day while you're awake. Um, and But thank goodness, by the way, we kept liquor stores open. Thank goodness. That can only help. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, this would be the first time ever in George Brockler's life that you probably – uh, as a as a public policy thing, prefer marijuana to alcohol, right? Probably a lot well, less cause of uh, angry violence from that. We we don't see a lot of violent crime based on marijuana, but we do see some on the higher level potency, more chronic users. We have mm. seen some uh, psychosis is too technical of a term, but that sort yeah. of thing we've seen that before. But you're right, on average, uh, far less violent activity from uh, from the chronic than from the the juice. Uh, I, <laughs> I've got I got one minute left, George. What is your yeah. guess? Again, I know I'm asking you for a guess and a sort of medium term thing, but the impact on law enforcement from massive uh, budget cuts that are going to have to happen because of the economic slowdown. I think in the short term, it'll be harder to assess than in the next couple years. So short term, I mean, by the rest of this year, I think it's going to be devastating. I think public safety is generally the last thing to get cut, but it is always cut. I mean, if you look at Jeffco, 
And this is last year. This is before the economic downturn. I mean, Sheriff Schrader got hit with a $3.1, $3.2 million budget cut, closed down entire levels of the jail, had to Mm -hmm. leave, I can't remember how many dozens of positions unfilled. That was last year. Um, Mm -hmm. This year with the economic downturn, remember the CARES Act included a bunch of money that ostensibly was supposed to go to rural rural jurisdictions. But when I say rural, less than 500,000 smaller counties and cities. And uh, Governor Polis's team reached out to CCI, the county commissioners across the state, and said, hey, suck it. We're not giving you any of this money. We're going to use it to backfill the state budget. And and for those of you out there taking notes, he didn't actually say suck it, and he wasn't actually the person that said it. But (laughs) his his director of the Department of Local Affairs said, you get none of this money. It's going to be used to backfill the state budget. You should go to FEMA. You should go groveling to your uh, com- your congressmen and senators and beg them for more money. Uh, that is going to have an impact on the dollars that a city can spend on its police, along with the downturn in sales, which sales tax, which you know is a huge hit to municipalities. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have an impact in the next couple few years with the downturn in property values to the tax base for most of the counties across the state. So I think there's some hard times ahead. Those hard times are going to be met with hard decisions about resources for public safety. And uh, I have concerns, grave concerns. Folks, go read George's piece at the Denver Post. It's entitled, Colorado Should Brace for a Crime Wave. George Brockler, DA of the 18th Judicial District. Thanks for your time, as always, and your expertise, uh, George, and for keeping us safe. Hey, thanks for the opportunity to chat again. Talk to you soon, my man. Likewise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.